Hey, my name is Joe. I serve as lead pastor here at New Freedom. If I haven't had the privilege to meet you, I would love to do so. Uh, there's a connection uh, opportunity out in the lobby right after service, or you can uh, do that from online. There's a way to connect with us right there. And if you're watching us online, we appreciate you tuning in today. Uh, I've heard it said that people are most likely to make significant spiritual decisions when one of three things or sometimes all of three things happen in life. When we are either in trouble, when we are under tension, or we are facing transition. And so you have joined us for the first week of three parts of talking about the big T's. Everybody say the big T's. Okay, this is going to tease just a little bit. We're going to get into the big T's. We're going to talk about trouble, tension, and transition. Before I do that, I just want to uh, recap something that I shared with you last week. Uh, I, I shared with you four core values of our NFC vision, and I just want to uh, recap those. It uh, uh, kind of spells the acronym of FREE. It's Fidelity, Relationships, Evangelism, and Equipping. And so the F stands for Fidelity. We are going to be faithful to the gospel and to the word of God. We're going to be faithful to Jesus and honor one another. These are core values of our NFC vision. In our relationships, we are going to be in relationship with God through our worship. We're going to be in relationship with one another through our fellowship. And we're going to be in relationship with those who are not yet believers through our witness, through the life that we live and the way that we represent the gospel. Evangelism is a, a core tenet of our vision. It is central to what we do because what it does is it allows us to offer a pathway for those who are far from God to draw near. Isn't that the desire of all of us is that we want to see that uh, this entire world knows and hears about this great message of this one that we have fallen in love with and his name is Jesus. And lastly, we were going to be an equipping church by making disciples and by church planting, by being part of, of seeing what God is doing in our area, but also around the world and equipping other Christian leaders to do the work of the gospel. Because how many realize that uh, we're not alone in this, but we have brothers and sisters of different stripes, creeds, colors, and different variations that are serving on the front lines of the gospel with us. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I want to get into what do you do in times of trouble? In the gospel record of Matthew chapter 8, we have an entire day recorded in the busy ministry life of Jesus. Now, if you and I think that our days are busy, you just need to read a couple of passages in the gospels and see how busy that Jesus had it. Now, this day starts out uh, with a leper coming to him, and I'm just going to recap a few things until we get to the center point of this day because I think it's important. But the first part of this is this leper comes to Jesus, and he wants a cleansing. He wants a healing for his body. And here's what the leper says to Jesus. Lord, you can heal me. Or in other words, you have the ability, you are able to do this. I believe that you're able if you are willing. Jesus' response was this to the leper, I'm willing, be thou cleansed. Cleansed, healed, uh, forgiven of his sins, but also healed in his body. The great uh, healing evangelist of the 1920s, F.F. Bosworth, said it like this, faith cannot exist where the will of God is unknown. 
Let me say it again. Faith cannot exist where the will of God is not known. So if you want to know what God's will is on a matter, we have 66 books, his will and testament, the old and the new. We can find out what God's mind and heart is on any matter that concerns us, and we have to know the will of God if we're going to pray and believe in faith. And this leper said, you can do it, Lord, if you're willing. And Jesus said, I am willing. So whatever you're looking for today, whatever you're asking God to do today, you need to understand that this book will tell you what his will is. And when you get in his will and you get in his perfect will, you get in the center of the circumference of what God wills for your life, then you will start seeing things work out. The puzzle pieces will come together when you know the will of God. The next example we see here is a centurion. He comes to Jesus. This is a high-ranking military official. And the centurion says, "Uh, Jesus, I have someone in my close quarters who is sick. Uh, Would you come and heal them? And Jesus answers and says, I don't need to go to them. Uh, I'll just say the word and they'll be healed. And this was a man under authority. And he said, yeah, do that, Jesus. Just say your word. And I believe the healing will come because he said, I am a man in military under authority. And I know the power of authoritative words. And so when Jesus said, uh, go your way, that your son is healed, that man went back and he found that his close relative, his family member, his son was healed of the very infirmity just by speaking the word of God. So there is authority and there is power in the word of God. In verses 14 and 15, we find that Peter's mother-in-law was healed of a fever. So we see the healing ministry of Jesus coming into full fruition in Matthew chapter 8. And then I love verse 17 because it quotes the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. It says, he himself took. Now think about this. Jesus himself took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. So let me ask you this. If Jesus took something from you, then why are you holding on to it? Why don't we just turn it over to him? Why don't we just give it to him? Now, I know that not everybody that I've ever prayed for gets that instantaneous, miraculous healing of their body. I know that. But I do know this, that according to God's word, it is his will that they are healed or whole. And healing is not only manifest in getting the answer to the immediate prayer you prayed, but also there is a healing that happens when we stand before the face of God and we're forever free and no longer jailed by a body racked with physical pain. So therefore, every single time as a believer in Jesus that you and I encounter someone who is infirm or sick, we can come to them and we can pray with faith believing that God's will be done and that he would raise them or heal them. And it may not happen the way we pray for it, but it will happen according to his word. Amen. And so Matthew chapter 8 and verse 23, this is what I want to get to this morning. This is the trouble that the disciples encountered and how they responded. It says, now when he got into the boat, so Jesus got into the boat first. I like this part. His disciples followed him. A good disciple will always follow their master. And the disciples were just simply following him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was uh, covered with the waves. But he slept. Now to get this picture, Jesus is sleeping in the boat and the waves are beating against the side of this ship and Jesus is asleep. Then his disciples, verse 25, said, uh, came to him and they awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. We're drowning here. Verse 26, but he said to them, why are you fearful? O ye of little faith. Now, he had just demonstrated to them an entire day of healing. Faith should have been at the ultimate high level, but this is like every single one of us, regardless of how many times God's been faithful to us in the past, we get struck with a new storm in the present, and we wonder, God, where are you? 
God, what is happening? How is this happening now? And Jesus said to his disciples, ye of little faith. Then he arose, rebuked the winds and the sea. I like this next part. And there was a great calm. Isn't that what we're all searching for? Isn't that what we're all seeking after? Is just to get to the place in life where every now and then you just sit down and you have a great calm. A great calm, a peace about your life. It's been so long for some of us that we've even experienced any type of calm that we wonder, does it even exist? But Jesus spoke to the waves and to the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? The disciples of Jesus continuing to learn from Jesus. I think that's what one important part of our, our New Freedom vision is, is equipping by making disciples is because we never stop being a disciple of Jesus. Just like these had walked with him and witnessed the miracles, they never stop being amazed. The moment you stop being amazed at the goodness and the work of God is the moment that you need to check your heart and say, God, am I still in touch? Because I am in awe. I am in reverence. I am amazed at God. The Bible uses the word fear, that we should fear the Lord. Now, there, there's a couple responses to fear. And one of the responses is that, uh, you know the feeling, you're driving down Miller Road after church, and uh, you, you get real excited because you just came out of church, and you look down, and you're going about 42 miles an hour in a 35, and you look over at the junior high school just for a tip. That's where the sheriffs sit. And that fear creeps up on you as you hit those brakes and slow way down because you think you just got caught. See, that's a type of fear. That's not the kind of fear that the Bible talks about God wants you to have with him. The kind of fear that God wants you and I to have is that when we walk into a, a grand uh, building, we walk into a place that has been, had taken hundreds of years to build, like a great cathedral, and we look around in awe and wonder, and there's a holy hush in the room, and you realize this place is special. This is not ordinary. You look around at the architecture and you say, wow, this took a lifetime to build. You are in awe and reverence. This is the kind of fear that we have for our Lord is that we are in awe and reverence at his works. And we are in awe and wonder every time we lift our hands to worship. We're in awe at his presence sweeping into a room. We fear him because we love him, not because we're afraid of him. We are awestruck by him. And these disciples, after they watched the waves and the seas calm, they said, who is this that even at his word, he can calm the seas? First, I want to tell you that following Jesus does not exempt us from storms. Please hear me. Just because you said yes to Jesus, you embarked upon a faith journey for life, does not mean there will be no troubles. Verse 23 says that they followed Jesus into the boat. It would have seemed that this is a safe place to be. It's where Jesus is. I want to be in his presence, and so I'm going to follow him all of my life. I'm going to follow him into the boat, and that's what the disciples did. And yet there was still a great storm that arose. Have you ever been in a place where you have followed Maybe it's on a vacation or an uncharted area. You have followed a tour guide somewhere that you would not have gone yourself. A few years ago, our family went on an a airboat ride in the Everglades, and I would not have taken a canoe out there on my own. So I booked a tour, and I had a professional guide take us into the Everglades. We were so impressed at how that this guide would make this little noise with his mouth, and he would take a ball of bread, and he would wave it over the edge of the boat, and alligators would come from all around, and he would just throw it right in their mouth. 
like they were his friends. And I thought that was kind of scary at first, but it was really neat by the, by the time we were halfway through the ride. He said, see that island over there? We're going to go on that island. Well, I mean, I have trusted him so far. This looked pretty good. And so we got off the boat. We're on this little island. There's, there's not a whole lot of place that you can get to. And as soon as we got off the boat and we got on the island, he informed us that there are hundreds, probably thousands of alligators creeping right around this island. I wanted back on the boat. But I followed the tour guide because he was the professional. Following Jesus does not exempt us from storms. Just because I followed that guide didn't mean that I was out of trouble. It just meant that I trusted someone who's already taken that course. Can I tell you that God has already been where you're about to be? God has already walked in the path that you are at right now. You can trust him. Following Jesus does not exempt us from storms. A great Christian of our era, Ravi Zacharias, went to be with the Lord just last month. And he told one of the most amazing stories about a storm that I'd ever heard uh, someone relate. And he, he said that in 1971, a man named, I have to get his name right, Hen Pham in Vietnam was an interpreter for he and the American forces. And uh, Hen made it so adaptable that he could present the gospel. And, and they just, their hearts knit together. You ever just meet somebody that after knowing them just a few moments, you, you realize that, that it's like you've known them all your life. And that's how he felt. And he left Vietnam, Ravi did, and, and he came back home and he didn't know what happened to, to uh, Pham. But 17 years later, he got a phone call from him. And he said, let me tell you what happened. Shortly after you left the country, the Viet Cong captured me and some of my uh, companions, and they accused us for aiding the Americans after the Vietnam War, and they imprisoned us. He said, as I was in prison, I got assigned to the most dreaded duty of anyone in prison. I had to clean the latrines. It was my job to clean out all of the latrines all day long. He said, I had gotten to the place where I had been so indoctrinated with Marxism and the, the, um, uh, the indoctrination that there was no God that I started to even doubt my faith in Jesus. After having interpreted for a great gospel preacher, he said, I started doubting my faith in Jesus. I vowed I would never pray again. And now I'm condemned to have to clean these latrines. He said, as I was cleaning the latrine one day, I noticed that there was a can of papers that was used as refuse and toilet paper. One of the officers had been given a Bible in English, and he was tearing the pages out of this Bible, and he was using them to wipe with. And he said, as I looked down, I saw that there was a page of English literature, and I grabbed it really quick because he could read English. He said, I cleaned it off and put it in my pocket. When I got back to my bunk that night, Ravi, he said, I started reading, and it was Romans 8, and it said... For we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. What shall separate us from the love of God? Neither height nor death, nor principality, nor angel, nor any other created thing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He said, the next day I volunteered to go clean the latrine. And sure enough, I found another page. And the next day, another page. And the next day, another page. And he said, before long, I had a makeshift Bible in my bunk. And I started sharing it with some of the other cellmates. After a chain of events, he miraculously got sprung from prison, but he decided, I'm not staying in Vietnam. They built a boat, 53 of these Vietnamese built a small boat, and they had made arrangements that they were going to sail across to Thailand to get away from the evil regime in Vietnam. He said, just the day before we were ready to escape on this boat, the knock came at the door, and there were four Viet Cong soldiers that said, we heard that you guys were getting ready to escape. Is this true? 
He denied it. He said, absolutely not. We're going to stay right here. And they left. He said, I felt good, number one, that they left, but I felt bad and convicted in my heart that I had lied. And I told the Lord something that I hoped that he would not take me up on. And that was, Lord, if you send those soldiers back, I will be a faithful witness to you. I will tell them what I am doing. Three hours before they were to leave in the boat, 53 passengers to leave in the boat. He said, three hours before another knock at the door, the Viet Cong came back and they said, we know that you are planning to leave. Is this your intentions tonight? And he said, yes, absolutely it is. I'm a faithful witness for Jesus. We're getting out of this country. Kill me if you want to kill me. All four soldiers said, we want to go with you. They boarded the boat, 57 passengers on this little makeshift boat, and up arose a, a storm that was so great, a torrential rain started coming down, beating against the boat, and he said this, Ravi, if it had not been for the four Viet Cong who had shipping backgrounds, we would have never made it to Thailand, but thank God we made it to Thailand and safely to the United States for our passage, and today he's a businessman in this country. Just because you follow Jesus does not exempt you from storms. You and I are not promised a trouble-free life. And it's interesting to me that the same disciples who just previously that day were singing Jesus' praises were now charging him of neglect. Jesus, do you not care about us? We're about to sink here. We're perishing in this boat. Do you not care about us? Listen, there are times in your life where you will question, God, do you not know what's happening in my life? Do you not realize that I'm at my breaking point? Do you not realize that I'm about to perish? And sometimes we feel guilty for being that raw and that real with God. But can I tell you, that's exactly the place that God wants you to be. If you question ever uh, having some type of anxieties in your heart about the faithfulness of God in your life, all you need to do is read the Psalms because the psalmist pours it out all the time. Saying, God, I don't know where you're at. It looks like you've forsaken me. You've let my enemies overtake me. I don't know why you let me go through this. I can't understand this. I can't figure it out. And God, I'm just flat out mad at you. That's what the psalmist says. And then that sweet, precious Holy Spirit comes sweeping over his soul. And he says, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, we'd have been swallowed up. So I want to encourage you today. Keep following Jesus. Regardless of the storms, keep following Jesus. And when trouble comes, call on Jesus. Verse 25 says that when they were in trouble, they called on Jesus. Jesus didn't tell us we'd never have trouble. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So if he's overcome it, if he's already been there, then who do we call on where we're in times of trouble? Call on Jesus. It's okay to call your friend or your loved one or, or family member. It's okay to talk to people. But who's the first person that you call out to in a time of trouble? Call on Jesus. You see, in 2020, this is the year of prayer. This is the year where we are humbling ourselves before God and saying, God, we can't figure out what ails our heart, what ails our nation. We need your help. And I believe that calling on Jesus is the beginning point of humility. It is the place of prayer where we come before God and we say something like this, I need thee. Oh Lord, I need thee. Not just in troubled times, but every, say it with me, every hour I need thee. Every hour. I need you, Lord, today. I need you, Lord, for this moment. I need you for my life. Jeremiah 33 and 3 says this, call to me. I love that. Call to me. 
Now here's the promise, and I will answer you. See, if you call out to God, he's not gonna turn a deaf ear. He is not gonna make the heavens as brass. He says, call to me and I'll answer you and I'll show you great and mighty things which you did not know. That excites me. That there are some things, some mysteries, some secrets that I've just been itching to figure out. And God said, if you call me, I'll give you the answer. If you call me, I'll show you things which you didn't know. There are problems that we face in life that perplex us, that are beyond our ability to reason with, our ability to figure out. The situation that looks so bleak, we don't know if we're ever going to make it through. And here's what God says to us today. Call unto me. Call unto me. I will answer and I'll show you. And lastly, Jesus gives us authority. Get this. Jesus gives us authority over the source of our trouble. Luke 9 and 1 says, Then he called his twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and do what? Heal the sick. Healing the sick is a whole lot more than a physical infirmity. Some people are sick in heart, sick in mind. They are sick in their life. They are sick with their situations. They may be able-bodied, able to do more than you can ever do, but they have a sickness. It's a soul sickness. In these last couple of months, as, as people have been deprived of their, their usual coming and going and, and they've been locked down, uh, there, there have come these waves of of. Uh, nights of the soul, dark nights that, that get up on us. And, and it's a soul sickness that we must surrender to God. I don't know about you, but sometimes my emotions during this time, it felt like a yo-yo. It just felt up and down. Like I don't even know what, what day it is sometimes. And so when we call unto God, he will answer us and he will come to us. He has given us his delegated authority. And like the case of the disciples, Sometimes the source of our trouble is external. Sometimes it's outside of us. It's outside of our control, kind of like coronavirus. It's outside of our control. There's very little we can do to control it. First, they tell you don't wear a mask. Now they're saying wear a mask. First, they say it can be picked up on surfaces. Then they say, no, it can't be picked up on surfaces. Then they say, well, maybe it is, and maybe you should wear a mask. And we don't really know what to do. Do we fist bump? Do we elbow bump? Do we hug? Do we just wave at each other? We really don't know. It's outside of our ability to control. But look at the verse here. It said that Jesus arose, he rebuked the wind and the waves. Another translation said, and the seas. Now, the wind was the source of the trouble that they found themselves in. The trouble was that their boat was sinking. They were getting ready to perish. That was the trouble. But the source of the trouble was the wind. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever seen the wind? Have you ever seen the wind? You've seen the effects of the wind. The leaves blow in the trees. The water that was calm starts to get stirred up. The, the, the wind is very noticeable for its effects, but you can't see the wind. Now, it didn't just say that Jesus rebuked the wind, but the winds, plural. That means sometimes you're facing a headwind this way and all of a sudden you get knocked down from behind because that wind swirls around and it knocks you down. The source of your trouble many times is unseen, but it's very tangible. You can feel it. So the source was the wind, but the effect or the problem were the waves. It's not good enough only 
to ask Jesus to calm the source of your trouble. But it's absolutely fine for you and I to pray to Jesus that he would also rebuke this, the trouble that has surrounded us. So the seas were the effect of what had happened. So if the wind was a virus that is invisible that has plagued the entire globe, the effects of that is a spirit of fear that people can't even go outside of their homes. It's also been an effect that people have lost their jobs, that people have lost their security, that some have lost their lives. This is an effect of the wind. So Jesus does this. He stands up out of the boat and he rebukes the source, which is the wind, and he rebukes the waves and it said there is a calm. If you only have one of them rebuked, then there's not gonna be a calm. There's not gonna be this peace which surpasses all understanding. But Jesus did this. 2 Corinthians 10 3 says, For we walk not in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the pulling down of stronghold, the casting down of arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Sometimes the problem is external, it's on the outside. Other times the problem is internal, it's on the inside. And so when we stand in faith believing and we witness what God has done in the past, we say, God, today I believe it is your will that I be whole, complete healed, that this storm be calmed and that peace like a river would attend my soul. They're gonna come and sing this song. I think you probably know it. But this is a plea to God for help in time of trouble. And trouble leads us to a decision point. At the source of every trouble is an opportunity to make a spiritual decision. What is God tugging on your heart today? Is God tugging on your heart to make that step of faith across the line of salvation to say, today is the day that I give my life to Jesus? If that's you, then all you need to do is say, God, I want to accept the free gift of your son, Jesus. I repent of my sin. I accept Jesus as my Lord and as my savior. Maybe you need to make a spiritual decision that you take authority over something that's happening in your life, that the, the enemy has wreaked havoc in your home or in your family, and you are going to take authority over that in the name of Jesus. Maybe you need to make a spiritual decision that you believe God's will is that you be well and you be healed in mind, body, and spirit. And so for your healing, you take authority over that. Maybe you need delivered today from something. Jesus is in the deliverance ministry. He wants to set the captives free. And he does it as we make a humble plea to say, God, it's you, I need you today. So I'm gonna ask everyone if you would stand with me as they get ready to sing this song. These altars are open. We would love to pray with you. Join in and let God know that you need him.